the questions began flying out of my mouth. How did she do it? Was she a superhero? Was she an alien? Was she a vampire? I've never really been into superheroes, but that's because I'd only ever seen them in the comic books. But this, I'd seen it with my own eyes. She threw a 400 pound boulder at an attacking cougar to scare it off and saved my life. She was the real deal. Now he turned quietly and began walking away, but I couldn't just let her go. I followed her, asking if she realized what she'd just done, but now he just kept walking. Then the scariest woman I'd ever seen seemed to appear out of nowhere directly in our path. And when I say scary, I don't mean that she looked like a monster or anything. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I imagine if somebody was like a couple of hundred thousand years old, they might have actually asked Jima on a date. Now, that somebody would never have been me, even if I was like a million years old. But anyway, the scariest thing about Jima were her eyes, or should I say, looking into them. She stooped down to my level, and without looking at Naui, told her to go upstairs to her room. Then she focused on me, and the intensity of that stare. It was like looking directly into the sun. She asked me to tell her exactly what I had seen, and I wanted to say something, but I just couldn't get the words out. In that moment, I wished that I could be facing Nolan the bully instead. Jima suddenly looked distracted. She turned and I realized that now he hadn't moved. I was so focused on Jima that it hadn't even occurred to me that she was still there. For the second time, she told Naui to go upstairs and go to her room, but Naui didn't budge. You hear me? said Jima. Naui simply said, yes, I did. But still, she didn't move. For a split second, I thought I saw a glimpse of fury in Jima's eyes, but if that's what it was, its flame was quickly extinguished. She turned back to me and said, if you tell anybody about what you saw, I'll know it. Understand? Stop trying to scare him, said Naui cutting in. He's not going to tell anybody, she continued, looking me in the eye. I said, no, I won't. And until this moment, I didn't. Then Naui walked away with Jima trailing her. I stood there in the freezing cold, just thinking. Knowing someone with super strength could come in real handy. The next morning, if you'd actually seen my performance, you'd agree that I should have been nominated for an Oscar. Category, best cough to convince parents that I need to stay home sick. Mom wasn't that difficult to convince, as she'd once kept me home for clearing my throat a couple of times. But Dad, he grilled me for about an hour before starting his shift, and even after he seemed convinced, 
He said he'd be checking on me randomly during the day in his patrol car, which I knew he wouldn't. He was way too busy for that, and Mom would still be in the house because she worked from home, but at the time, the basement was her office, and once she went down there, well, she might as well have been in an office in some other city. I'd have until noon to do pretty much anything I wanted. After that, she'd come up for lunch and check on me. The first thing I did was go into the kitchen and make myself a peanut butter and tuna sandwich. Well, I thought, I can't do this forever. I'd have to face Nolan at some point, but that morning, I was going to enjoy my sandwich in peace. I carried a chair up to my room, planted it in front of the window, then sat down and began to do what my dad might call a stakeout. The goal was to watch Naoi's house for any sign of her. I pulled out a pair of ancient binoculars Dad had given me a long time ago and blew off the dust, then began devouring my sandwich as I watched her front door. Maybe she went to private school, or I remembered this show once, or maybe it was a comic book I was reading where they talked about a school for superheroes. If such a school existed, that might be where she went. At this point, after what I had seen the previous night, anything was possible. And if I could get her to help me with Nolan, well, the soreness I'd been feeling in the pit of my stomach since he'd threatened me lessened in that moment. He was strong, but there was no way he'd be able to stand up to somebody that could pick up a 400-pound boulder like it was a cushion. Of course she'd help me. That's what superheroes were supposed to do, right? She'd already saved me from the mountain lion, and Nolan wasn't nearly as powerful as one of those. Then I wondered what time superhero school let out. It was 3 p.m. for us mere mortals, but superheroes might have to do extra credit or something. I saw a light cut on in her bedroom. Hmm. Still there, and it was like 9.30 a.m. Maybe she was homeschooled. Then I noticed that golden light pulsating through the downstairs window, and in that same moment, I saw Naoi stick her face through the curtain. She saw me, then disappeared. Well, that's it then. She doesn't want to talk to me. What I saw next was a tiny hand planting a sheet of paper against the glass. She'd written backyard across it and disappeared again. My heart jumped through my throat. I had so many questions, but those would have to wait. We had superhero business to discuss. As I walked out of the house, I noted the time. 10 a.m. We'd have an hour or so, then I'd have to get back. I wanted to make sure I got back to bed with plenty of time to spare. The sky was pitch-perfect blue, and the wind smelled of good things to come. Things were getting better by the second, and if she could fly, wow. Maybe she'd take me somewhere. When I stepped through the gate, I saw Naoi sitting on the grass, holding something in her hand. Her eyes were closed, and whatever it was that she was holding was glowing. Just beyond her, behind that basement door, was the familiar 
pulsating glow I'd seen from the window. After watching her quietly, not sure if I should disturb her or not, I asked her what she was doing. Thinking, she said, and opened her eyes. The glow inside her hand died. I asked her what she was holding, and she said, Oh, this? She showed me a tiny wooden pyramid. I don't know if you would understand it. Then I turned my attention on the basement door and asked her what that light was. Oh, that's just Jima talking to Wusa. And I asked, who's Wusa? A goddess, she said in the same tone you might use if someone asked you what time it was and you said two o'clock. A goddess? So, not only are there superheroes in the world, but there are also gods and goddesses. I asked Naoi if she could fly, and she said no. Oh well. Then I asked her if she was from Earth. She tilted her head to the side and for the first time gave me that look that always made me feel about an inch or so tall. Do I look like an alien? She asked as she began pulling out grass. Honestly, I wasn't sure what an alien looked like, but she didn't look like any of the ones I'd seen on TV or the internet. In fact, what was really strange to me was how tiny she was. Sitting this close with her, I could see how small her hands were and that tiny little fro. At the time, it didn't really bounce like it did when we got older. I just couldn't wrap my mind around how this little girl was so powerful. I glanced at my phone. Time was running out. So I told her all about Noland and the phone, his threat. She listened quietly, then said there was absolutely nothing she could do. But she saved me from that cougar, and it wasn't like I was asking her to beat him up or anything. Maybe she could just lift him into the air by the shirt and tell him to leave me alone. She just shook her head, said there were rules against that. Rules? What rules? She clearly didn't understand how dangerous this situation was. The pulsating light from the basement suddenly stopped, and she said, Sorry, I gotta go, and took off. This didn't go at all like I thought it would. That night, I was in bed staring up at the ceiling again. It was nearing midnight, and I knew from past experience that if I tried to get out of school again, Dad would literally take me to the emergency room to get checked, and I'd be busted, so that was out. No matter what, I was going to have to face Nolan. Then I thought, was that a tap? It was against my window. I sat up, and the sweat that had been pooling around my neck rolled down my back. There was a tiny silhouette against the curtain. Could it be? I whipped the curtain open, and now he was standing right outside my window. I quickly slid it open, and she stepped in. Well, 
I said. If you wanted to talk to me that badly, all you had to do was ask for my phone number. Now he just stared at me. Didn't even crack a grin. Then she said, I don't have a phone and Jima hates those things. Now he sat in the middle of my floor looking up at me, then took in my room for the first time. For being a six-year-old boy, I was rather clean, so I didn't mind. Mom was always kind of weirded out about how organized I was and would come into my room from time to time and move a programming book so it wasn't in alphabetical order. Or she might pull my blanket down just enough so only I would notice it. It drove me crazy, and she knew it. So first, Naoi apologized for having to leave so quickly. After Jima finished her morning talk with Wusa, she always wanted to get right to work. That meant getting to school work, of course, because Naoi was homeschooled. You have parents? She asked. It was kind of a strange question to me. I don't think anyone had ever asked me that before. I said, yeah. And that lady that came to get you, was that your grandmother? She shook her head. No, just Jima. Jima? Like, that was her name? If it was, that was the strangest name I'd ever heard. Then she asked me what I was going to do about Noland. I wanted to know more about Jima and what happened to her parents, but I sensed that she didn't want to talk about it. Then I told her the truth. I didn't know what I was going to do. She said that maybe we could come up with a plan. Hmm. What about this rule, I said, remembering our talk earlier. Well, now he said it was forbidden to harm any of Wusa's creations, ever, and Wusa had made everything on this planet. Even a bully that's big enough to stomp me into the ground? What's a bully? asked Naoi. Oh, did I wish, in that moment, that I was powerful enough to not even know what a bully was. So wait, would you get in trouble for swatting a fly or squashing a mosquito? Was that forbidden too? Now he just stared at me. Her silences were always like buckets of water being dumped on the flames of strange or stupid questions. So we'd have to do this without fighting Nolan. Not possible, I thought. We sat there in silence for a long time. Then she said, The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. She stood up and began pacing. It was one of the first quotes of many she'd learned from Sun Tzu, Art of War, which had been required reading for every warrior of the Lightning Tribe since it had been written in the 5th century. What if, she said, continuing to pace, we could make him think that he'd lose so badly that it wouldn't be worth it to fight? My first thought, how in the world would we do that? Then I got an idea. I ran over to my closet and grabbed 
the grubbiest hooded sweat jacket that I owned and threw it to Naui. It was worn, tattered, and discolored. I told her to try it on. Then I went over to my dresser and grabbed my phone. I told her to pull the hood over her head and started filming her with my phone. The jacket looked a little big on her and the hood completely covered her face, which was perfect. If I was able to get the right camera angles, I thought it just might work. The next morning at school flew by so quickly that I thought someone had intentionally sped up time itself. At 3 p.m., I stood up, cracked my neck, and went over the plan again as I'd done every hour on the hour throughout the day. Then I headed out, and as soon as I stepped out of the classroom, I felt a giant arm around my shoulders. The arm was so heavy, I thought my knees were going to give in. Nolan said he missed me yesterday, but was glad to see me. Once we got outside, he looked around and led me into a isolated field near some houses that were being built. A group of looky-loos, most of them fifth and sixth grade, believe it or not, followed us and gathered around. A few had already taken out their phones and began recording, hoping for some action. Nolan pulled out the Lightwork 1000 and was preparing to hand it to me when I said, No, I'm not going to break into that phone. Really? He said, looking around and putting the phone back into his pocket. He balled up his fists tight. I noted at that moment that they were almost as big as my head. Then... With all the phone cameras up and rolling, I said, before you hit me, I just want to say that I don't want to hurt you. Nolan laughed out loud, then looked around at the crowd. He doesn't want to hurt me. Every inch of me was shaking at this point, even my toes. Then I reached into my pocket, took out my phone, and told him I wanted to show him something. Then I pulled up an app that I had created, and within that app was a video. The app itself was meant to share videos with groups. So I pressed send, and suddenly everybody's phone, including Nolan's, was suddenly playing it. What is this? Nolan asked. The video began with me in Stony Park wearing that old hooded sweat jacket. I pulled the hood over my head and said, This is for you, Noland. Watch. I began jumping rope, whipping it around like a prize fighter. Then I began shadow boxing, moving my hands so quick that they seemed to blur. Then I picked up a boulder that was even bigger than the one Naui used to scare the mountain lion, threw it up in the air, stepped back, and as it came down, I punched through it so hard that it shattered into pebbles. There were oohs and ahs from the crowd. They'd all been to Stony Park and knew how heavy those boulders were. Nolan's mouth dropped. 
This was before special effects were available to normal folks like they are today. So nobody even considered that it might have been faked. And I just so happened to be wearing that old hooded sweat jacket. I pulled it over my head. And after cracking my knuckles, I said, ready? Nolan looked around the crowd, then suddenly said, whatever, I can get somebody else to do it then turned tail and walked away. As soon as he was out of sight and the crowd had broken up, I fell on the ground and just laid there, taking deep breaths. <sighs> of course, I'm certain that everyone listening to the sound of my voice knows that the amazing hooded fighter was absolutely not me. I'd spent most of that night filming with Naoi in my jacket, doing her superhero warrior thing. Then I cut a shot of myself in at the beginning, throwing the hood over my head to make sure it looked convincing. She stayed up with me all night, putting this thing together, and I knew, after it was all said and done, that this was my best friend. <sighs> my phone. The sound of it quickly drew me back to my 14-year-old mind. I looked over at it. Who could be calling me at 3 in the morning? When I picked it up, I stared at the screen in disbelief. It was Nawi. I answered so quickly that I almost dropped it. I started off saying, but I thought, then she cut me off. The god of war just escaped. Next week, how he did it. <laughs> <laughs>